So let's say you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation, and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible, and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the ark, as the floodwaters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava, the feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and kavas for good grapes. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kava and yachal for morning dew to give moisture to the land. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting or expectation. But waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the nation was sinking into self-destruction, Isaiah said, at this moment, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will kava for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope for God himself. You find the same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms, where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kava for the Lord, let Israel yachal for the Lord, because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism is about choosing to see, in any situation, how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there's no evidence things will get better but you choose hope anyway. Like the prophet Hosea, he lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires, and he chose hope when he said God could turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope, like the day when Israel came up from the land of Egypt. God had surprised his people with redemption back in the days of the Exodus, and he could do so again. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kava for? You are my yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope, and they used the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope, that people can be reborn, to become new and different kinds of humans. More than once, the Apostle Paul says the good news about Jesus announces the El Peace of glory. In both cases, this El Peace is based on a person, the risen Jesus, who has overcome death. And this hope wasn't just for humans. The Apostles believed that what happened to Jesus in the resurrection was a foretaste of what God had planned for the whole universe. In Paul's words, it's a hope that creation itself will be liberated from slavery to corruption into freedom when God's children are glorified. So Christian hope is bold. 
waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it's crazy, and maybe it is. But biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. That's what the biblical words for hope are all about. Hey, thanks for watching this word study video by The Bible Project. We make lots of other videos and they're all about showing how the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. You can go to our website, thebibleproject.com, see what we're working on, and even jump in to pitch in a few bucks to the next one. Thanks for being a part of this with us. Thanks, you guys. Today is a significant day in the life of the church. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. For hundreds of years, the church has practiced what we call the church calendar. It's a kind of a rhythmic way for us to remember and recall and retell the story of God. There's so many stories we find ourselves consumed with, especially in 2020. There's so many narrative lines. Um, but I have found that these ancient disciplines and rhythms have been so helpful in keeping me grounded in God's reality and in God's narrative. Advent begins what we call the cycle of light. The cycle of light, there's the season of Advent, there's the season of Christmas, that's actually 12 days, hence the song, the 12 days of Christmas. And then there's the season of Epiphany, where we kind of, kind of wait and bask in the light that we were awaiting to come. The word Advent, if you didn't know, simply means arrival. Uh, it's the arrival of, of this waiting. We're waiting for and expecting the arrival of light and darkness. We're waiting for and hoping for and expecting the arrival of good news in the midst of bad news. Speaking of bad news, speaking of 2020, this will be the most adventy advent that has ever been advented. In normal times, I usually take this first Sunday of Advent to point out to us all that we live in a world that has consumerized and capitalized Christmas. And with that consumerism and capitalism comes what I just think of as is a fog. And even now, we're all thinking, how do I get from Thanksgiving to the new year in one piece? And I want you and all of us to be conscious of this fog of the consumer Christmas season that so easily distracts us and disorients us from the real reason why we are even remembering and celebrating. Now, I usually do that in normal times, uh, but these aren't normal times, are they? Uh, in the addition to Black Friday deals and holiday buying and traveling or quarantining, we have this pandemic. We have the acceleration of change. We have the country, or most of it anyways, uh, that is waking up to racial injustices our brothers and sisters of color have endured for far too long. There's worry about jobs and the economy. We just went through and are kind of still in a very polarizing political event. And we're still wondering if there's going to be a peaceful transition of power in January. These are gnarly times. My friends, the fog is thick and it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to forget who your true hope is. No matter what the issue is, no matter what the context that is applying pressure and stress to you, my friends, this is a time for all of us to just hit the reset button and remember who our hope is in, regardless of what's going on, regardless of the pain and suffering, regardless of the questions, regardless 
of the bad news, regardless of the fog. Advent is a time for remembering and rejoicing, for watching and for waiting. And a big part of Advent is just simply recognizing the fog that we're in and having the wherewithal to stop and like reorient ourselves to Jesus, our only hope. If there is one thing I could share with every believer, it would simply be three words. Prepare him room. Prepare room for hope in your life this Advent season. Now, many of us grew up with the story of Advent beginning in a stable. There's the innkeeper and the animals, but really the story begins in a garden. In Genesis 3, right after our parents, Adam and Eve, sinned against God, God comes in and he whispers hope to them. I love how the Jesus Storybook Bible says it. Before they left the garden, God whispered a promise to Adam and Eve. It will not always be so. I will come to rescue you. And when I do, I'm going to do battle against the snake. I'll get rid of the sin and the dark and the sadness you let in here. I'm coming back for you. And he would. One day, God himself would come. God makes the most important promise of all of history, and he keeps it. And Christmas is when we remember and celebrate the keeping of that promise. Advent is when we prepare room in our hearts for the hope of Christ, the light of the world, coming into the darkness. Now, with this hope and promise that you have available to you, I'm going to ask you the question, how will you prepare room for hope this season of Advent? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the midst of a crazy world, in the midst of all of the things going on in our lives, in the midst of disruption and change, in the midst of heartache and tragedy and trauma, Lord, we give you consent to come, to reveal to us where you already are. Lord, reveal your presence to us. Reveal the work that you're doing. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. And Lord, for those who are, are struggling to remember the hope, for those who are struggling to, to sit in the hope, to sit in the tension, God, I pray right now you just surround them exactly how they need, and that you would invade their mind and their feelings, their body, their thoughts. Draw a circle around them and invade them with your love. Invade them with the hope. Lord, lift their eyes to you. Help them to see your light coming in this season of Advent. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.